For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. What an amazing image that is for us this morning. Jesus, God's own Son, God himself in the flesh, the ruler of the universe, the eternal and glorious King, Almighty God himself. He came, came among us, not to wipe us out, not to be served by us, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. What a stunning thought that is. This morning, we are confronted with two radically different visions of power and of greatness. This morning, we have on one side, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, saying the prayer that most of us, if we're honest, pray all the time. They say this, God, do for us. Isn't that what we pray? God, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That's what we want, God. Give us whatever we ask you to give. Do whatever we ask you to do. Now, prayer like that kind of makes you wonder who we think's in charge in this whole God-human relationship, doesn't it? Do, God. Do what we want. And what do these guys want from Jesus? Oh, you know, just to sit at his right and his left and his glory, that's all. Just to have thrones and power and glory. All they want is for people to see them sitting next to Jesus in his kingdom. And they want people to be envious of them. And they want people to serve them. They want people to, to do what they say and, 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 and just kind of be in charge. That's what they want. They want to be with Jesus in his glory, in his kingdom. They want to be second in command. That's all. That's what we've got on one side. And then on the other side, we have Jesus himself, the Lord of the universe, the one through whom all things were made, the one that the letter to the Hebrews says upholds everything by the word of his power. That's who we've got. We've got Jesus, God Almighty, come among us. And he came not to lord the power over us, not to boss everybody around, but to serve. That's what God came to do, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, as a ransom for us. And the reason this should cause us to pause is this. Now think about this and just be honest. When you pray, your prayers sound a lot like the prayer of James and John, don't they? And when you think of power, when you think of what, what is power in this world, you think a lot like James and John were thinking, don't you? See, most Christians pray to God and they basically ask the same thing that James and John asked. And these two disciples, we're meant to see a reflection of ourselves. Because when we pray, so much of the time, we're trying to convince God to do what we want him to do. Help me pass this test, God. Please don't let me get fired for not showing up, God, to work. Help me get this, this job. Help me close this business deal. My favorite one is this. God, help me win the Powerball lottery. You know? And, and God, just so you'll know that, that I'm not really selfish, that I'm really a giving person, I'd be happy to win one of the lower prizes, God. That, 
Don't, doesn't that impress you with my generosity? Just let me win one of those things, God. You know, whether we are praying for ourselves or for others, so often we are praying just like James and John, seeking to bend God's will to ours rather than seeking to place our will under his. We're seeking to bend God's will to ours rather than seeking to bring our will into conformity with his. And how do we think of power? Well, we think of power just like they were thinking about it. Power means being in charge. It means having other people do what you want them to do. It means having your will be done by others who are serving you. That's what power looks like. And it's not really our fault because that's what power is in this world that we live in. When James and John heard Jesus talking about going to Jerusalem, he was on his way to the cross. He told them three times that he was going to go there, he was going to suffer, and he was going to die, and then he was going to rise again. He told them this, but in their minds, they couldn't figure out why he would mention those kind of weird things when what they really knew he was going to do was go to Jerusalem and and just wipe out the Romans, clean out the temple of its corruption, and set up the new kingdom where he would be on the central throne, he would be in charge, and all they wanted was, hey, just let, let us sit there with you and be in charge. That's what they thought would happen. They had that vision of a new and restored kingdom with thrones and glory and power. Soon, all the world, in their mind, all the world would be coming to pay tribute to them. And so to sit at Jesus' right and left would mean that, that, that James and John would be the two most powerful people in the whole kingdom. The two most powerful people in the whole world next to Jesus. They'd be even more powerful than Caesar if all went according to their plan. And they would have servants and riches and glory. And everyone would look to them. And they really liked this idea because everybody would look to them and everybody would envy them. Everybody would want to be where they were. They wanted that. They wanted to be envied. They knew that if they could get Jesus to let them be his right and left hand men in his glory, then everyone else would see them and want to be right there with him, right where they were. That's what James and John were thinking. That's what they wanted. And the word of God this morning is holding a mirror to our lives. And it's telling us that our thoughts are often just like that. It's like what our reading from Hebrews says. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And it's doing that this morning. It is judging us this morning. Because when we think of power, this is what we think. Maybe, maybe this is not what you think, but this is what I think. This is what I think about when I think of power. I think of kings and of presidents and of Saudi princes who woke up one morning and figured out that oil was valuable and now they've got more money than anybody else. We think of business leaders and tyrants and warlords, people who by the, by the power of their wealth or their influence or just their personality can control others and get them to do what they want to do. People who can shape the world in which they live to suit their own desires. That's what power looks like to us. And Jesus acknowledges that that's the way power manifests itself here in this world. He says in this reading, he says, 
You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. That's the kind of power that James and John wanted, and it's the kind of power that we want to. But listen to Jesus, our great high priest, our Savior and our Lord, and our friend. Listen to what God Almighty says to them and to those of us who would be his followers. He says, okay, that's the way it is in the world. That's, the what, that's what power seems like in this world. And he says, not so among you. Not so among you. You know what power looks like in this world. You know how it expresses itself in every facet of our society, but not so among you. And why? Because when the one with all the power and all the glory and all the authority came, he came as a servant of all. And the moment of his most profound glory was the moment in which he gave himself for everyone. It was Christ's glory. The glory of Jesus, the glory of God himself was most profoundly, most profoundly on display in the cross. That's what true power looks like. What's really interesting is that this same John that approached Jesus that day and said, I want to sit at your right hand in your glory. He went on later in his life to write a gospel, the gospel of John, in which God's glory and he points to it every, every chance he gets. God's glory, he says, is the cross. Every single time, it's the cross. The same John. He sought glory for himself, but he realized that what he was seeking was the opposite of true glory. True glory is in laying, life, laying your life down for your enemies. That's why Christians wear crosses today and not crowns. Or, uh, or thrones around their necks. Because true glory, true victory, true power to overcome the world is in the cross. It's in sacrificial love. In the love that would stop at nothing, nothing to save the beloved. That's true power. And that's what changed the Roman Empire. Not armies of soldiers carrying out the will of Caesar, but a small band of believers a small band of people who followed Jesus and embraced his kind of life and began to live self-sacrificially in the world. In the Roman world, they couldn't understand what would cause these strange people that called themselves Christians to love each other the way they did. They couldn't understand what would cause these same Christians to care for the sick and the suffering, whether they were Christians or not Christians, often at the cost of of their own lives. Do you know that when plague came through the Roman Empire and it started to strike the cities, the nobility in Rome fled the cities. Those with resources got out of the cities to save themselves. And the loss of human life happened disproportionately among the poor and the slaves and the day laborers who could not afford to escape the plague. They didn't have the resources. But there was one group who stayed behind. One group who stayed, even though many had the resources to flee. There was one group who stayed in the city to care for the poor and the sick who could not care for themselves, who could not flee the cities. And it was the Christians. 
They stayed, and they opened their homes to the sick. They took in children who had lost their parents to the plague. And many Christians died. Many Christians gave their lives caring for people who hated them. It was the Christians among all the people of Rome who willfully stayed in the cities to help and care for any and all who, could, who had been touched by the plague. And nobody could understand why they would do that. Why stay and risk their lives and even give their lives for people who despised them? Why stay and help those who, um, who, could have, who, who would have fled? I mean, they stayed and they helped people that would have fled if they could and let them die. But they, but they stayed. They stayed to save them. And they did it because at the center of their worldview was a man who died to save his enemies. At the center of their worldview was a man who died to save those who despised him and killed him. And because Jesus had lived and died for them, how could they not live a life that looked like his? By living that kind of life, that small band of Christians transformed an empire. And they transformed this world. In just a few hundred years, the majority of the Roman Empire were Christians. And a few thousand years later, today, over two billion people in this world call themselves Christians. What if we chose this day to live that kind of life? What if we changed our worldview and replaced the one that says that power is being in control, that power is being served? What if we replaced that worldview with the one that has at its very center a man dying to save his enemies and forgiving those who were hurting him? What if that's what true power and greatness was to you? What would your life look like? How would that change the way that you live? And what would this world look, look like if all Christians today lived like that? Could we transform our culture if we live like that today? Could we transform this place if we live like the early Christians did? This is a challenging word to us this morning because I think it strikes right at the heart of, 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 of our whole belief system, of everything we believe. And it's not easy. But if we take it to heart, I think we could change this world all over again. Pray with me. Father, in this world, power is used to dominate others. But Jesus says, not so among you. May we receive that word from our Lord this morning. We ask you to transform our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can truly be people who live like those early Christians. So that we can live our lives in such a way that our world is changed by the power of the cross of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me.